0: Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. It's season two of Chewing the Gristle with yours truly, Greg Koch. We're having a lot of fun. Got a bunch of great guests lined up. We're talking about guitars. Sometimes we talk about food. Sometimes we talk about aliens. It doesn't matter. We're just having a good old time. We're chewing the gristle, for pity's sake. You know, and gristle is where fat meets flavor. Brought to you by our friends at Wildwood Guitars of beautiful Louisville, Colorado fishman transducers of the majestic and powerful community known as Andover, Massachusetts. Can you dig it? Our next steadfast chewer of gristle probably needs no introduction to you guitar fiends out there. Upstate New York, he has conquered the world with the power of his incendiary finger flailings. I'm talking about the one and the only Joe Bonamassa. Come on, y'all. We're just we're just gonna shoot the breeze, Joe. I got nothing scripted. I thought we would just kind of go wherever the winds take us. Take yeah, that's right. Now, how is the weather in 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 Wisconsin? Well, it has been a little. I'm I'm not gonna lie to you. It's been a little brisk. It's uh, yeah. but you know, it is fall. But is fall. Uh, you know, it's it's weird with with Scotty in the fact that it like it it turns September one and like fall is on. You might get a couple of. Nice days, but like prior to that, it's like full-on summer, but like calendar, September arrives, pow, next thing you know, you'll have days where it's getting chilly, you need a jacket, and yeah. and uh and it's been very rainy, but you know, I kind of dig it. I'm kind of a fallsman. I dig it.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm the same way. It, it, there was a couple weeks ago here in Los Angeles where I literally thought the house was going to melt. Oh. It was so hot. And I'm like, I'm like... It, it, this this I'm like this land will be uninhabitable in ten right. years, you
0: right. know?
1: exactly. And then and then last week we had clouds, and then people were complaining, "Oh, oh, it's so cloudy." It's like, dude, you have three hundred twenty days of scorching, cold, indignant sun.
0: Yes, embrace it's, the variety. It's it's amazing uh, what people get used to, and then when things aren't the uh, yeah. That's why in the summertime I never complain when it's hot cuz I go, you know what? Uh soon enough it will be it's those middling periods like in November where there's not snow and it's just cloudy and it's just right. cold enough not to do anything and it's yeah. oh and March March
1: is always when I lived upstate it was always the worst month because it was like you still have the salt on the grass from the from the the winter, the, there's no leaves, but it's kind of warming up. You get glimpses of, of kinetic energy from the sun. And then, and then, and then it goes back to 20 again and gray and gloom. Yes. But that's why we're good guitar players because well, all we had to do was, was literally all we had to do was
0: was um, uh, play. Exactly. Exactly. It was, there was, there's, I always tell my kids, like, look, if you play a musical instrument, you will never be bored. It doesn't matter if the weather is crap. That's just like, hey, I guess I'll just stay inside longer and play. You know, that's kind of one of the whole things with, you know, um, you know, taking all of the re- very real health concerns and financial calamities that people are experiencing with COVID. All those things aside, the fact of okay, I got to stay home and play more guitar is not necessarily something I'm um, I'm against. <laughs>
1: <laughs> have, you, have you found that you've played more during the shutdown or less?
0: I think I've played more. I mean, I I always play a lot, uh, just because I enjoy. I mean, and it's never really anything, you know, particularly scripted. It's just that I, I play a lot. So, but on this, you know, because I have to do X amount of live streams a week. So I want to keep it somewhat. Interesting. So there's a there's some learning of new stuff. There's writing of new stuff, and then there's kind of going back over. Hey, that old tune of mine that was kind of fun. Maybe I can rework it. So there's uh, there's more kind of um, um, creative activity maybe afoot than usual. Um, I haven't played guitar in anger since
1: the our pay per view thing at the Ryman. Lily, it was a like, and and I don't know why I live. You've been up here. I live in a house of guitars. Yes. there's guitars everywhere. It, there's a salt and pepper shaker, then a guitar next to it. You know, it's <laughs> it's, it's it's everything. You know, you know a, a, a you know a set of Wusthof knives and a telly. I'll yes,
0: be behold. Yeah, be it's kind of funny. I tell the story okay. of you know. When I visited you there, and I had seen most, well, at least quite a few of the Les Pauls prior to that, because right. you know, when you'd come through town, and you'd be gracious enough to have me sit in, and I would use one of those glorious old Les Pauls, and so I got to play a few of those. But you're like, "Well, what do you want to see?" I was like, "I want to see the tellies And for whatever reason, you brought out that that broadcaster, and I, and I just didn't want to see anything else. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I was like, "I'm I'm good with this is this is good." <laughs>
1: You know, it's it's funny that little sticker on those broadcasters. Right. It, they it really winds people up. There is no difference between a broadcaster, a no caster, and a series one telecaster other than the sticker. Right. It's That's the same crazy. spec. Blend, blend. You know, there's the the the, the early stuff, fifty fifty one. They had that kind of flaky paint. You right. know, That kind of flaked off because I I think they were just kind of inventing the process to how to get it to adhere to the ash body. But other than that, it's the same, it's the same, that people go crazy over that little word under the word Fender.
0: It's Broadcast. crazy. Although I will say I was very pleased with, uh, uh, Wildwood's been sending me guitars every week that I use in these live streams and do a couple extra videos with, and they sent me a 70th anniversary broadcaster. And I will say that the the electronics they got, they've kind of got a, a combination of old and new where the you know, the tone control is the blend switch. yes. But what they did was they took the the neck pickup, so in the position where it's usually the neck pickup with like the tone rolled all the way off that no one ever used, right? Uh, they figured out that you know I guess like a 10k buffer that they put on there, so it's it's just kind of slightly, you know what I mean? Tweaked, right. and then that's the sound that they use to blend with the bridge pickup. And I gotta say, it's it's a pretty damn tasty little morsel.
1: I tell you what, you know the the thing about. Uh... The blend circuit is some people, like, they, they look at old tellys like, oh, the tone knob doesn't work. Right. The tone knob doesn't work. <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't see um, blend. Uh, you didn't see a proper tone knob on a telly to about May or June of 52. Right. They, they, I, I have a May 52 telly out there, and it still has the blend, you know? I, and, I dig the blend. I think it sounds cool as hell. Oh, and another trick about tellies, and you know this, you know there's four sounds on a telly. On a, on a on an early spec telly. You can you could wedge the switch like you do on a strand. So you can get both pickups if you wedge it in between the middle and the last position.
0: Yeah, the old school
1: the old switchcraft, <laughs> and then you put the tape down, keep it there, you know?
0: Yes, indeed. So what was the first kind of vintage-y guitar y- you got? I know you've probably told the story a million times, but what was the first one where you're like, this is an old guitar and I like this? <laughs> My father
1: stopped at Big Apple Music, which was a local music store. I think it's still open in Utica, New York. This had to be 1985 or 86. And he found what appeared to be a Candy Apple Red 1972 Stratocaster. And he knew I loved that kind of stuff because I was looking through all the books. I had the Wheeler book and I had the the Duchesois book and, and, you know, and, and, you know, it, even the Bill Blackburn book, which I ended up buying his guitar. And um, it was, I was fender, 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 fender. Loved it. Couldn't get enough. Right. I love the big headstock Strat I love the logo. I loved everything. That little, little custom contour body sticker. That was as cool as star Wars. <laughs> and cooler. And he found this candy apple red guitar for 225 dollars and he bought it and he put it on the credit card so there was a time there was a time in which we could enjoy it before mother found out about the bill (laughs) and you have to realize like you know like one of the greatest things i read about myself on the interwebs which is everything is true is that i'm a son, son of a rich steel magnate my father was a billionaire who pumped hundreds of millions of dollars into marketing, into my career. Well, when you're in Utica, New York and you make two to $300 a week in the mid eighties, take home after taxes, you're doing great. Right. So, <laughs> so my father probably took home maybe $235 a week on a good week between gig and in the, the day job he had. This is before he had the music store. Right. And so that was like a week pay, you know. And but he he knew that I would love it, and I had the guitar for about two years. There's some cool pictures of of me with the guitar when it was still red. And then one day I just I, I saw a Lowell George video that my yes. dad got. You remember those R R E H homespun videos that right. they would, You know, you get them at the you'd, they would rent them at the music store like five dollars, and you would buy an Eric you know rent an Eric Johnson and a Little Feet. Right. And I saw Lowell George and he had the same guitar, only he had no paint on it. Right. So I took a Dunlop capo that the ones that had the little strap and the teeth on the, on the top. Right. It started scrap. And I, and I, next thing you know, about an hour later is a pile of candy, apple red. Crazy. And then, you it, lo, then it, you Lowellized yeah. it. Then it. Then it was natural. And, um and then I had BB King sign it. And, uh in and, and I still have it. I still, well, I still have the body, the body, and some of the electronics. The, the next long gone, and you know, but the husk of it is still intact. So <laughs> it's it, a crazy. thing. I mean, like back then, what a lot of people don't realize is, you know, it was a used guitar. Right. It, it wasn't. It wasn't like this iconic thing that has been spun out of control. You know, it was like, yeah, Sunburst Les Paul was like, okay, now now we're getting serious. Yeah, a black artelli. I mean, those were valuable even in the seventies and eighties. They were right. they were they were priced higher. But it wasn't like this, they they didn't glow in the dark and create their own energy field and, and right. people didn't bow to them like like the ancient Incas and Machu Picchu and stuff like that. It was never that way. It was
0: just hell, it
1: was just to just use guitar, especially Fender stuff.
0: Exactly. Well, I, I tell the story about getting, you know, my first telly. It, it wasn't because y- you know, all my favorite players were telecaster players. Most of my favorite players were strat players. But I had my first real kind of electric guitar. I was remember those Fender lead ones with the them. Humbuc- humbucker in back that you could kind of coil tap. And it was great. I could get a really good You know, neck pickup sound, but all of my, you know, I loved the sound of Hendrix when he'd play a neck pickup and, you know, when Billy Gibbons would use a neck pickup sound and, you know, yada, yada, yada. And um, I wanted a Fender guitar with a neck pickup. And I remember I wanted a Strat and I'd already kind of, you know, burned all my parental assistance coupons with (laughs) earlier purchases, you know. And, uh, but my guitar teacher at the time had a 68 Telecaster, and I didn't know 68 from 71. I only knew it was a 68 later. I just oh, he had an old Telecaster, right? And uh, and I ended up buying it. I made a deal with my dad. I paid half. He paid the other half. There were stringent negotiations, but it happened. And I got that guitar, and I just liked the Telly because it. Um, well, it was the Fender guitar that was available to me, and I was learning so much at that time that I just it just became, you know, the on channel. Or the onboard channel switching of a great neck pickup on a telly and then going to the back pickup you know, when yeah. you're going for the jugular just was so intuitive to me. You got three sounds, and they're all good. <laughs> and what else do you need? Exactly. But then again, you know, but to your point of, you know, what's the big deal about this guitar? I mean, I had it, and I really enjoyed it, but I, I still wanted to strat Because every time I would hear, you know, Mark Knopfler or Clapton or Buddy Guy or whoever using that either two or four position, it was like... I wanted that sound so bad. And in the early 80s, right. it was hard to get new ones because they weren't really making them at that point right. in time. But then they came out with that uh, the first 57 reissues. Remember those? I think it was 83 that they or 82 or 83 that they started to come out with them. And I remember I went into Bayhoff music with my telecaster and I was I was gonna trade it. And the guy looked at me like I was daft. You know, like, right. you really don't want to trade this for this guitar. I'm like, why? <laughs> the strap. Yeah. But I didn't, and the, but I hung out on the guitar for a long time, but it's, um, yeah, it was amazing. And and then when I finally got apprised of, you know, I guess when I got, I started playing a 335, um, you know, because Larry Carlton did and, and, you know, Robin Ford did and so on and so forth. Uh, but then I wanted to switch to a strat, and by this time, like in the, you know, late mid 80s to get an old strat it was like a thousand bucks or like 1200 bucks and to me that might as well have been 10000 you know what i mean to I be mean, back right, then you know it's an
1: arbitrary number
0: an unachievable it, arbitrary number exactly and um, but you know there were guys that i knew that had those guitars that just were into them because they just were into old stuff you know it wasn't really about collecting at that point per se and and i would play those old guitars and be like you know one day i would get but i actually didn't know you know i had a 63 strat for a very brief period of time Um, and it wasn't original by any stretch, but, uh, the only real vintage, vintage guitar I've got is that Telecaster that I got, which is, you know, it's, it's a, it's definitely a player's piece, but, uh, it's wild. So when you're, when you're in these, surrounded by all these guitars, um, I'm curious at this point is the, does the allure wear off or is it still just as fun as it was? Or if someone said to you tomorrow, like, Joe, you got to pick five. And uh, you know what I mean? What, 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 what's your kind of look at it now at this point with well, having got the best stuff and the coolest stuff? Well, I think, I mean, I think in the last
1: seven or eight months, I think my perspective has changed. It used to be I would waltz into town, you know, like a conquering army, and we would shop back everything we'd see in the music stores, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like a vacuum, we would just shop back, you know, and I was a big, I was a big in case guy. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna buy that in case I'll need it. I'll use it in the studio.
0: Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Well, when you're in when you're forty-five records in and you've never gotten to it, <laughs> chances are you're not gonna use it in the studio. Right. And one of the things that I you know, you know, I, I've been picking up I just I pick up, you know, guitars at home every once and I play and I I play a guitar with a humbucker and I play a guitar with a single coil. Those are the criteria, Tele, Strat or, or Les Paul ES thing. Right. And, and, but you know, I've gotten to the, to the point where I've gone back to, well, imagine if this thing that you're playing and it could be anything was your first and only guitar. Like my first Tele was a Squire Telecaster, but somebody put a humbucker in the front and it was blonde and it looked like Albert Collins guitar. I wanted it because of the humbucker. And I, I still have a thing about tellies with humbuckers in the Sure. in <clears throat> and you go, you made it work with a squire. Now, it, it, you know, now you have everything at your disposal. You got to strip it back and, and, and think about going, what happens if this is my only guitar? Do these work? You know, do these still work, you know, and it's the same thing with the amps. You know, I've, I've been really into, you know, I just, I just plug straight in for no, I'm not trying to be pomp. I'm just trying to, I'm just going, it, 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 there's i I'm not willing to go through all that trouble to make it 5% better. Right. And then, and then, and then, and then things start breaking, you know, you know, and then, and then, and then you're like, I I don't know what this is. And then you end up in frustration plugging straight in anyway, because the thing you have broke. Right. I've been, I've gone right back to the basics and I've been really thinking about, you know, like, you know, my future in the music business and stuff like that. And my exit strategy with the collection, because there's a point where you, it becomes so top heavy that if I decided to sell it all at one point, I could crash the tweed market and the Les Paul market if I just decided to throw it all in for sale. Right. Exactly. I understand. So now is the now is the time to start making decisions about like what what do i really need what am i doing this why am i doing this to myself you know and and yeah there's a few things that are on my list if they come along but but other than that i'm i'm just i'm you sit back and it just you know learn how to play the damn instrument again bottom also you know don't you know don't be more well known as a collector than a guitar player you actually play some stuff again you know and 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 you know that's that's kind of what i've been doing
0: well i'll tell you what i i enjoyed the hell out of your set that you did at that uh thing we did down with andy wood at the Wood Shop,
1: woodshed and likewise
0: Uh, Thank you. I mean, the 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 first tune was it was it was blistering, and then you know what was great too is you you played a slow blues, and you know obviously slow blues have been played, Joe, a few times by a few people. I didn't know that. I wouldn't have picked the tune if if,
1: (laughs) I I thought it was the first time we ever slowed down a shuffle.
0: (laughs) But you know what. It's like you're sitting there watching it and, you know, and Andy Timmons is right next to me, who's, you know, of course a magnificent musician and guitar yes. player. And he's like, you know, this guy knows what he's doing. I mean, it, he, not that he didn't know that, but he, it was, and I was like, yeah, I mean, this is what happens when you're on the road. And obviously, first of all, the, the talent and the dedicate, all that, kind of, yeah. you know, is a given, right? So for you, <laughs> and so, you, but you go on the road and you figure out what works. And and it just gets more refined and more refined and more refined and more refined. Not to the point of sterility. It's just that, no, now everything is in your quiver or er, er, kill shots. <laughs> and it gets to the point where you know how to take it from a whisper to the jugular and all points in between and all of it's gold. And that's only comes from working it. And uh, and it was it was full on display that particular evening.
1: Thank you, thank you. That's the that's the ten thousand hours. You know, right. you've got the ten thousand hours. It's it's it, there's no substitute for that.
0: Well, that's true. I mean, you do, you do have to spend the time without a doubt, and it, it comes from different places, and and uh, you know, and other people. There's different paths that people have for this, that, and the next thing. But uh, you know, when you know, it's the culmination of just knowing instinctively. What's going to make the room react? You know what mm-hmm. I mean. You know what I mean. So it was it was glorious to hear. Plus, it was great that you'd plug straight in and and you had the little Dumble, but then you had that Tweed Twin right behind it. It just uh, with the Les Paul, it just sounded <laughs> majestic. If Thank- I make the bow. you know what? One of the points I, I
1: I always try to stress, and you know, somehow guitar players we from from the inception it's always been a competition I mean, like I, my, I remember reading those articles about Mike Bloomfield and Hendrix and how how Hendrix blew Mike Bloomfield off the yeah. stage one night and I'm like I'm like different players right why is it, of course why is it' a competition it's not and and I, I know I'm a very polarizing figure in the in the guitar business and I like I, 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 I like it and I'll tell you why because I'd rather be hot or cold. the middle the middle ground scares me <laughs> I, you know, I don't want do, to do the spinal tap joke, but you know what I mean. The middle, no, of it, totally. lukewarm water. Right. And what I always tell people is, is like when they start getting trolly, like, oh, I watched a video of so-and-so playing. He can smoke. I'm like, right. Like, I watched a video and so-and-so, he's much better than, right. I'll agree with I, I agree with it. I agree with it all. Right. My specialty and my tranche in this thing starts when humanoids are on stage and out front. I'm not a guitar player. I'm not a blues man. I'm not a anything. I'm an entertainer. Right. And I've learned how to entertain a crowd. And I just have a little bag of tricks or whatever in my mind that go, this is what is required. You know, you're, you're here to entertain folks and get a rise out of them. So right. it's, it's the color and shade. It's the it's the it's the the, the super dynamics you learn from Buddy Guy, watching him, and then and then you hit him with something ferocious, right? And you know, I've been doing that since I've been twelve. My right. playbook hasn't changed. You know what I mean? Like I just I have a weird last name, an odd chin, okay, uh, a squeaky singing voice. I, I needed something, you know. I needed you know, like so I did, was able to uh, get a rise out of the crap. It's always been that way for me. And it's never going to change as long as I'm in the damn guitar business.
0: Well, the the, the thing is, 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 you know, it, to your point about the competition stuff is, it, and I, you know, I suppose when I was younger, I would say, well, Hendrix is the best. I would always say Hendrix is the, best. but I didn't mean it as, you know, I know he didn't have, you know, Chet Atkins chops or, right. or, 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 Steve Howe chops, you know what I mean? But just for me, I, so I, then for over the years I'd say well what I say the best it's to me is just who who gets an emotional rise out of me now I don't even like there is no best guitar player because there isn't it's just who expresses their personality right uh and even at that point it doesn't really matter if people enjoy what you do and you love what you do and, and there's nothing wrong with it and I think it you know we get into a point where you know just the uh the ego thing of of, of it creeps into the music thing in a way that it's like, well, who's who's got more chops or who, who, who plays more clean? And, and to your point about the internet stuff, I mean, you can't pick up a guitar anywhere without somebody taking a video of it. Right. And then it gets posted online or you're sitting in with somebody or somebody's sitting in with you and it's from a particular vantage point or so on and so forth. And somebody will base their entire critique on your entire career. Off this three minute phone video <laughs> that someone took, and and you know, and, and people like to whack. I, I I don't respond to you know trolls online, although I uh, I had to respond to one on Instagram <laughs> the other day just because it was so funny. This guy goes, "That sounds like that sounds like noise." Um, you're capable of so much better. And all I could respond was, Dad, stop trolling my feed. <laughs> That's a great response. But, you know, I mean, to, to your point, you like,
1: you know, the, uh, 30 seconds is a referendum on your entire existence to the point right. where they, they'll even type going, I really wish your mother never met your father so you weren't even born, son. You know what I mean? It's like, you're like, wait, whoa, whoa. You know, I, I'm not, I'm not... It, it, it's it's just art now i remember the first time i saw a guitar player or wit- not witnessed but but heard a, a guitar player open up a can of whoop ass on another one and it was when my father put on the secret policeman's ball oh yeah album yeah and jeff beck and eric clapton were doing the bobby bland song
0: further on up the road. i remember it well i love that record
1: and you know, Eric's in the in the in the stage of his career where he he's got tons of songs. He's air clapping. It's right. it's uh, he's air clapping, and he's singing great. And he's but he's playing those Music Man amps. And it was dead clean. You know, it was just right. like fourth position down, dead clean. He just he was there for charity, but right. Mister Beck just sat there, lied and wait, and he just he just opened up. A, I mean, it was just crazy. Right. And, you know, it's like, oh, Jeff Beck's a better guitar player. Well, maybe technically in some cases, but to me, it's about the songs and the music you make as a whole, you know? Absolutely. Without a doubt. And both guys, to me, like Beck and Clapton, to me, have changed the game for everybody. Exactly. You know, and and everybody should just like, I mean, the, the common sense starts creeping in and going, you know, uh, it, it just can you just sit back and enjoy it now everybody can't just sit back and enjoy it for what it is you know it's I, like you get people that "Well, clapton never did it for me neither did the beatles i'm like wow yeah what what, what are you talking about what, what, what does paul mccartney owe you nothing
0: enjoy it or not <laughs> well you know we've talked about this many times because right i, I I think we're both of the the vantage point of being huge Clapton fans, and yes. um, you know, and I and I mean no disrespect at all because you you cannot refute what his his career has been unbelievable in terms of you know the arc of his career. I mean it's it's insane. Yeah, yes. um, but I will say without apology that he played with a different intensity and a different um, purpose <clears throat> prior to his you know retreating into whatever he retreated to in the in the early 70s where perhaps he was self-medicating and just kind of not playing and doing whatever and when he right. emerged from that <clears throat> stuff since then he's played some great stuff i mean i love the just one night record you know i until this oh, that. Day, it's it's fantastic and it's almost as if he was Kind of saying, yeah, Knopfler kind of took some of my vibe in a little way, and I think I'm going to steal a little bit of it back, and you know, and pop the strings a little bit more in this cleaner tone, and and that's how I heard about Albert Lee was that record, but you know, and then there's stuff he did with his signature guitar. Sometimes I really like those clean tones, and there are various different eras of the stuff that I enjoy. But it, it, my mind is just like he just doesn't have the same attitude, and that's not to say, well, I know better than Eric Clapton, but as a fan. I I just think that there was, um, you know, the possibility. Well, like when I listen to old cream stuff, um, you know, you know what he's gonna play, right? You know that there's his grab bag is thus, but he says something different with it every time, and the and the vibrato and the tone and the phrasing is so great, it just never gets old to me. (laughs) You know what I mean? And and it's if now when I hear him play, it's still great. He sings great. He's got this massive catalog of great songs. I enjoy it. I still buy all of his stuff. But when he's playing, it's like you know exactly what he's gonna do, but it's not the same kind of almost otherworldly connection to something he's tapping into. It's more like, no, I've got my grab bag, it's very effective. Here it is for you, and I'm good night. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and, and that's not to say that. You know, it's not showing disrespect, but there is a difference. Now, I'm not going to say, well, the only Clapton for me was the stuff early on. It's like, no, it's as a humanoid and as an artist, he just did different stuff. And that's all well and good. Whereas I think back, on the other hand, we never lost that that connection to try to keep on reaching for something as an instrumentalist and keep on tapping into that stuff yes. uh, to, to the detriment of his, his uh, you know, commercial appeal. Yeah. Uh but that really never left him. I, I don't know if you think about it in this crap I just said, but
1: you know when I, when, when I when I listen to like John Mail and the Blues Breakers, the Beano album, I hear I hear a knee-jerk from his time in the Yarbirds going, right. I I just want to play blues. I don't want this anything to do with this pop. So so the intent and the fire was was there. And cream, because it was such a tumultuous Band as far as the relationship between Jack and Ginger, and you know, Clap kind those, of those are
0: some warm and fuzzy fellas.
1: Oh yeah, oh yeah. Especially Ginger, boy, that was that was a. I, I did get to play with all three of them.
0: Excellent. Which,
1: which was which was cool. Um, and Jack was nice, and so was Eric, and Ginger was as you would, right. would expect. Rest in peace. Yeah. Um, but you know, the thing is, is, is you never discount like. Like, like when I hear Jeff Beck, he always is like, he's got a chip on both shoulders and he's daring you to knock it off. Right. It's a personality thing. Yeah. I, yep. You know, and, and there's glimpses of that in, in Eric's work over the years where like, you know, from the cradle, he comes out of like winning all those Grammys for the Unplugged. He's a big pop so stadium selling pop stars. I just want to go play the blues again. And then Russ Titleman they, they, they go to the studio in New York or wherever they recorded it he gets the three thirty-five and the Tweed twin and he's killing it. Yeah. Because, because it was just a time is like, I'm going to go play blues again. You know? And I, I go through that myself. It's like, there's, there's a point where you just, you back yourself into a corner, you wind it up, you're trying to maneuver through life and your career. And then, then you just default, just give me a damn slow blues, you know? Right. Let me, let me just rip into this, you know, and, and exercise some demons, you know, and, 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 and that's, and that's, Really, I mean, it's that's what it is. It's a, it's guitar in general is a conduit to your soul. Yes. you know, it's a direct link. It's, it's how you're feeling on a given day. It's how you're feeling in a given year. I mean, you know, the the one thing I, I'll get in trouble for saying this, but I don't care. I've done it before. It's like I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear quarantine blues coming out of this. Let's let's move on. We talked about this ad nauseum. I don't want it. I don't want it sung around. in I don't want to put your song. You know. You know. I got the quarantine blues or lockdown blues. I do have a song
0: called "I've Gained a quarantine, but that's that's reality. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Exactly. Yeah, but see, you see, that's entertainment. You know. And I said, I said that to
1: poor Mike Zito like i i did his podcast and I, and i and i just you know i just just straight into rant and uh, <laughs> i was like i don't want to hear any of his damn quarantine blues stuff blah blah, blah 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 and he goes well that's our la- our next single i'm like okay oh, sorry i'll listen to yours mike <laughs> present company I'll listen, one I'll listen to one of them but you know anyway you know i mean it's you know i mean i think what what's happened with all of this is people are you know i i know musicians are unsure of their future and and, and right. it's and it's there's a lot of predictions, and, and anybody who comes and says, I know exactly what's going to happen, I go, I'm not listening to you at all. Right. Because it's all speculation. Exactly. It's gonna, the, the business is going to come roaring back. People are just going to flood into the concert halls like they're waiting for, you know, you know Ariana Grande tickets or something like that. You know, I think there's a good consumer confidence problem going forward. I think people are going to be leery about them and so isolated Right. You know, just look at people's interactions with Mass on at the Piggly Wiggly. Okay, right. you know, you're in the, the the soup aisle, and and some woman comes by with a cart. She uses the cart as a like a battering ram against you. Right. You're like like get away from me, you toxic toxic man.
0: Yes, exactly.
1: <laughs> you know, and I, and it's it, it, and it's like I have leprosy. It's right. like I have boils, and you know, and 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 bobos. You know, and, 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 you know, I'm like, it, it's, I'm it, just, it I, is
0: interesting. I mean, it's, it's going to be interesting to see what it comes back as, um, you know, and you did your very successful live stream from the Ryman. And I heard some of that sounded magnificent. Thank you. Uh, and, you know, and that's something that I think people enjoy. And it's, I mean, I do a couple like Saturday, I'm doing a live stream. I do them every other week. Yeah. um and it's fun and people are are generous you know with with stuff and uh, but it's different not being in front of people obviously you know because that's what you know that's where you really get the charge from I mean I mean I love playing don't get me wrong but when you're in front of a crowd and they're reacting I mean that that's like the the whole thing that where the magic comes from for the most part yeah and um it's gonna be interesting to see what what transpires when the floodgates open again if, if in fact, they do. But I think to your point as well, I mean, it's, I think it's going to be, it's not going to be all back at once. It's going to be you know, this tepid, like putting the foot in the water type of thing. You know, of course, unless they come up with um, some kind of foolproof, but there, there's no way they're going to come up with something foolproof within the next, you know, maybe another nine months, maybe there'll be some kind of a, um, um not cure, but, um, a oh, vaccine. Vaccine. Thank you. My you know, I
1: mean, like, people ask me about, like, what was it like playing an empty rhyme in front of 2,000 cardboard cutouts? And I said, I said, listen, the best analogy that I could can, I can give you, and this is, you know, because, you know, I'm hip. I'm keep it, keep it, keep it for the kids. It, I go, yes. it, 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 it's, it was like Pat Cooper bombing at the Friars Club. And <laughs> then he's tapping the mic, going, is this thing on? Right, is this right, thing right on? Because for a minute there, you could squint your eyes, get into the moment, run around like an idiot. <laughs> you see the pews and the these gigantic heads, and then the song stops, <laughs> and it's all we heard were the footsteps of the techs. If they had to bring us a different guitar or a bass,
0: but you still feel compelled to say thank you, thank do. <laughs> you for nothing.
1: You know, and, and I was really, I was really, because, you know, there was about 30 people in the room and we went through the whole, we were, you know, we had a bubble boy, you know, we had, we had, a, we had a bubble guy who bubbled us, <laughs> you know, and there was 30 people in the room. And I, and I just said, I said, I just have one request for any, any live humans in the room. I said, no clapping. I said, because there's nothing worse than 30 people. Clapping in a 2,500 seat hall. Ah. I've done it. So I've done it. 20 years ago. I don't want to do it again. That's more traumatic than nothing. Right. More traumatic than nothing. And <laughs> you know, I mean, I bombed before. You know, but but that was like, oh, you're like, wow. You know. Yeah, that's that's a good point. It's a red light on, and you're like, I guess people are, you know, but it's not a substitute for touring. It's not like, well, you know, like the, there's these ads in England now going, your next, your your next performance can be in cyberspace, but that's for you. <laughs> okay, my next performance will be out on. I'll, I'll be a busker. Right. I need humanoids. I need. I need, humanoid. I need I'll, I'll seed the case. You know, you put a couple of your own dollars in there. You got to right. seed it. Exactly. That's where I made the mistake in New York when I did it in the subway for the DVD. I didn't seed my own case. <laughs> And I didn't have a permit either, so I could have gotten arrested. Anyway, it doesn't matter.
0: We interrupt this regularly scheduled, gristle-infested conversation to give a special shout-out to our friends at Fishman Transducers, makers of the Greg Koch Signature Fluence Gristle Tone pickup set. Can you dig that? And our friends at Wildwood Guitars of Louisville, Colorado, bringing the heat in the shadow of the Rocky Mountains. Well, you know, we should talk about the first time we actually met was back in, I think that's over 10 years ago now, right? It was 2000, well, actually it was 2006, maybe, five? 14, 15 years, Holy oh, That is
1: a long
0: yeah. time ago. Mm-hmm. And we were over in, uh, I think we did, th- it was three things in the Netherlands we did. Yes. Uh, but I remember we ended up at that that place in Amsterdam, the... um Paradiso. Paradiso. Exactly correct. And you were still doing the trio at the time. It was it was Mark Epstein on bass and it was bogey on drums. As That's I recall. right. And um, I had long hair and I was I was 60 pounds heavier. You know, what's funny is, is I remember I don't know if you remember this, but there was a gal backstage and, you, and Roy was there and we were all kind of in some area backstage and this gal came up to you, and and I remember her saying it. And I'm thinking, but that was rude. But she goes, you know what? If you just lost a few pounds and wore a nice suit, I think things would be. And we're all looking like, what? <laughs> and all of a sudden, you know what? Maybe she wasn't wrong because it certainly worked out for you, Joe.
1: <laughs> I, 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 I I I'll tell you this story. I had a hairstylist during that era. Like you know, you're going you know, photo shoot, in the you know the somebody would hire a stylist and they were like, she's combing my hair and doing the makeup and stuff like that. And and she, she meant it all in the greatest compliment, you know, but, but certain things resonate with you. Like it just hits you in the right spot. It's like, the right. like it's, you know, it's like the death, the, the missile that hit the death star right through the, right through right. the air conditioning vent. Luke Skywalker. Right. And she's combing my hair. And she's like, she's like, you know, you, 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 you remind me of a young meatloaf. That was it. That's all I needed to hear. Oh. Put down the croissants. You know, but no, if, no more swine and cheese for breakfast, Mr. Bonamata. So, you are done. It's so hard,
0: though, isn't it? I mean, you've done a great job keeping the way I've fluctuated here and there. Man, when you're on the road, you know, it's like, I mean, especially since I've, I've given up all my other vices per se. I don't drink, right. I don't smoke, I don't do any recreational, mind altering things. Right like i got coffee and i got food right. <laughs> you know That's what right. I mean? and you you get a thing where you're exercising and you're eating right and you get into the shack i'm never going back and then at some point a delicious pizza presents itself oh, or, a, or 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 some kind of you know dessert treat that you have i mean my biggest bane for the longest time was uh M Ms with peanuts. I'd get that big half pound bag or whatever it was, and that'd be gone within 24 hours. You know, and um, yeah,
1: those are quite tasty.
0: Oh, they're quite delightful. And then all of a sudden, you're and then you're at home, and you know it's even harder because you know I got the wife and the kids around. What should we have to eat tonight? And oh, anyway, so kudos to you for doing such a good job of because it's hard, man. It is hard. (laughs) And as you get older, it's even harder. You know, it's weird. Like, I, I have this, I have weight trolls
1: on my Instagram and social medias. Like, if I, I you know, like, when, when the, the whole, the Cove yes. the cove thing started, you know, I, I'm like, there's, there's the run on the supermarket. So, I, I, I've always managed my weight by not having food in the house. Like, because it's just, it's just, that's the way to do it. So I went out and I, and I, and I bought like a week or two's worth of just things. But the problem is when you have food in the house, that's the more you, more you have, the more you consume. Absolutely. So I gained like seven pounds, right? And I would post these Instagram videos. Oh, you're gaining weight. Oh, you know. Oh, blah, blah, blah. oh yeah. And, it, and then I'm like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm, I never discount spite right. for the great motivator. <laughs> I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to, I'm instead of getting fat and miserable in these in these ensuing months, I'm going to get skinny and miserable, okay? <laughs> I'm going to be the same miserable guy that I always am, but I'm going to get skinny. So the trolls will be like, oh, and it got, it, it was as simple as like if I lost two pounds, It'd be like, oh, looking good. You were getting a bit fat there, son. I'm like, right.
0: But then it gets to a point where they're like, is everything okay? Because they think, "No, yeah. you know, now there's something wrong. Right. And then you click on their profile and they're like morbidly obese. And you're like, you're like, I don't think you
1: could clap your own hands. It's like, why are you you trolling me about two pounds?
0: Right. It's,
1: yeah. It's a struggle. It's, It's a struggle. Weight is a struggle. For those who don't understand that concept, I, 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 pray that they never understand because like, literally I'm one ribeye steak and a uh, jacket potato away from putting the 15 pounds back on it's not 15 pounds of food but it'll, it, it oh, just, yeah. it's it's just it's it's just some sort of metabolistic
0: I'm with you that's crazy that, that's bad yeah I, I, my, my little quarantine songs is like <laughs> when my double chin goes round and third is is when, <laughs> is, is when i know it's time to do something, and um, you know,
1: some people like they 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 grow they've grown beards during right. during the quarantine, and they, right. they 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 seem they they say, well, it makes me look
0: thinner if you if you have the big beard, you know. But the problem is the big beard nowadays is that there's going to be a ton of granite, and then you look like you're a thousand years old. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, uh, what are you going to do? Yeah, just do whatever feels right, doggone it. But I have to mention that uh, recently, you know, the guitars, one thing weird about the whole COVID thing, I don't know if it's weird, but people are buying gear like it's going out of style. They got nothing better you to do. Out. They're they're playing around the house. They're recording. They're you know just getting guitars and doing a. As I saw that sexy new little Epiphone of yours, a three pickup jobber, and I thought, yes. man, goddamn, that looks like a cool little guitar. So what's the story with that action? You
1: know, we we do one Epiphone every year. They're nice enough to do um, uh, uh a, a a signature model every year, and we do limited a piece, limited amount of pieces. So it's fifteen hundred guitars. We oh. sell half of them through our website and Gibson. Doles them out through the other dealers, and um, it's been very successful. I mean, I, I believe it or not, since 8 I've sold thirteen thousand Joe Bonamassa, Les Paul Gibson-ish things. I believe it. And you know, we've done eight signature Epiphones and a bunch of custom shop stuff. I like the Epiphones because it's an affordable quality guitar. That literally, all you got to do is string and go. You can rule the world with it. Right. You know, if you got a song and a vision, you can rule the world with it. And they're $7.99. Yeah. And and what what we've been, what we found that the pretty successful uh, is we base them on vintage guitars that I own. Like this one, the, the Black Beauty, is based on a 58 Black Beauty custom that I've been playing on the road for the last couple of years. And I've really, had an epiphany about ebony and three pickups it used to be i didn't like the way they felt right now i'm like this is all i want to play you know and so we've been doing that and uh it, it's it, it really is has been successful next year we're, we're planning one that that it's a, a bit more involved, but it'll still be at like a $7.99 price point. It it's gonna be a clone of something that I found that used to be red and and has risen.
0: Oh, from, I think I know of what you
1: said. Has speak. risen from the dead. But yeah. um but you know, one of the things is it's 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 they sound good, the quality control is
0: super, you know what I mean? Um now and, remind me again the wiring on those damn guitars. I always get confused.
1: All right. Uh, well, on an original custom, it's top switch is rhythm pickup middle is 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 the middle pickup and the lead pickup but 99 percent of them are wired out of phase so okay. it is it is the quackiest quack you've ever quacked right and highly unusable in my opinion it's it's not the cool peter green thing it's like it's like being right. like the whole things about them and you can roll one of the volumes off and get more middle pickup but it's you know unless you flip that magnet you know it, it you know it, it it isn't, and then and then proper bridge pickup. So the way we have it, the Epiphone's, it's rhythm, middle bridge, but wired in phase, so it sounds like a darker sounding strat in the fourth position. Cool, yeah, yeah. And then the bridge, you know, and then you can just do whatever you want. You know, it's it's uh, you know, you I know people that wire them so you could you could you could turn the middle pickup on at will with anything. Right. You know, right. Right. there's a there's a bunch of like mods that that. They're online, and I'm not suggesting anybody get the weller out and and carve right. like, into their guitar. Like Joe Bonamassa said,
0: just just says do ravage it. it. Just go yeah, ahead and, and defile and then, it. And then we got like you know warranty work we got to deal with. You know. <laughs> well, I really like the, the aging on it. Looks really good. I mean, especially yeah. for for an epifa it looks great. Yeah, it's you know it's great. I mean, like you know one of the things. Again, it's seven hundred ninety nine dollars. That's right.
1: And you know it's it's a it's a quality instrument that stays in tune. Um, I've been using them on I've been using the Epiphone stuff on stage for a few songs a night, and um, and they sound great. You're like right. you're like this is seven hundred ninety nine dollars, and then I get a guitar that's worth a lot more than that. I'm like, what the hell am I doing with this old thing? Right. String this thing up
0: and go. <laughs> what do I care? Well, so, let's tell talk me about stuff. your tweet
1: here. Tell me about your tweet amp.
0: Oh, the little tweet amp back here. Th- this is the new um, the new iteration of my... Uh, uh, there's going to be two new caulk amps that will uh, bear my Savage moniker. And right. this one is a single 12 jobber. It has a gristle control, a more control, so a gain and a master with right. a little bit, you know, funner titles. And right. then it has a tone control and a reverb. Nice. Uh and it is either 12 watts or four watts. And oh, wow. damn, it sounds good. So this is the prototype, and I gave it the big, the big thumbs up today. So um it looks great. It's, it sounds killer, and the reverb's great. So it's it's one, it's a cool grab and go amp, you know, it's not very loud, a good little club amp, and um it'll be just under a thousand bucks, which is affordable, you know, for a nice Dutch-made tone console.
1: That, that's the thing about like like the internet, it's like people are like, well, I want a hand wired, bespoke, pine, pine, you know, knotty pine jointed amp with the highest level of new old stock components. And I want to pay $399 for it. You're like, right. well, you like, can't do that. Exactly. You, know? Exactly. you know, Gibson gets tons of tons of negativity about like the price point. Like, if you look at like a reissue R9, Adjusted for inflation, they're not much more expensive than than they were. They were two hundred sixty nine dollars in fifty eight and fifty nine. Right. Would have been about three thousand dollars. I think. What are they now? Thirty eight hundred, four thousand. It's they were never. None of this stuff was cheap. Right. You know, it was cheap when it was used in the seventies. Nobody wanted it but but it's like you know i mean for a quality amp for under $1000 or $1000 it's like that's a that's a great deal
0: it's a great deal absolutely you know it's interesting cuz guitar players i mean especially i think you know weekend warriors and more hobbyists and stuff like that they might have 15 20 guitars and they'll have one amp you know it's just one of those things right. maybe one or two amps but right. you know i've always um I've always liked to have a few for a few different flavors, but, um, you know, it's been fun working with that company, um, <laughs> because I just love the amps. Of course we have the same last name, so that's great. And, right. uh, so, so that's all worked out, but, uh, yeah, you know, the goal is just to have stuff that, you know, I can go with a guitar and a cord and an amp and have everything I need. And, it, you know, not that I don't like to have other little things here and there, as you mentioned earlier, sometimes you just want to plug in and go and, And uh, have all the things be at your grubby little mitts. And so that was really kind of the goal with all the stuff that I've done. So, so far it's worked out. Which
1: I hooked up the old rig a while back. I got the pedal board and everything out and I hooked it all up. And and I'm sitting, first of all, compared to the tech, like when I mothballed that rig, it was 2013 or 14. Like, so so that's grandpa's pedal board, even though Dave Friedman did it, okay? But back then, right. I mean, it it, it it it's like it's like whoa! What do you mean you have all the pedals laid out? You know, you're like, right? Exactly. You're like, was, they're not they're not tiered and you know, right? Boxed in, and you don't have a master controller. And I got, I I literally, I I literally got uptight. And it's not that I disliked any of the pedals; they were they were they were fantastic. It was the I've been so used to just. Not having that thought process right, of, right. Of, of plugging into, you know, I just go, uh, it's the, all my, all my switching is here on the guitar. It's, it's, right. it's on the pickup. It's this or that. And I have a, I have a couple of way huge boxes that does a fake Leslie, you know, when right. I'm backing up the horn guys, you know, sure, exactly. A wah to keep time mostly, cause I just put my foot on it and keep time. And then a boost when I really suck, you know, <laughs> it would and, just need a little and, and and maybe it's just my brain power and, and senility. That's just like I'm, I'm like I'm. It's, it's everything is you know I'm I'm in a decline, but that's all the thing. That's all I can think about it anymore. I, I'd rather I'd rather think about lunch the next day than going. Well, oh, maybe let me, let me try the whoever this that. that. It's it, 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 the song yeah. goes by too fast.
0: You know? <clears throat> exactly. You know, and it's always you know there's always another pedal that's going to do this or going to do that, or maybe I'll use it. And that's all fun. I'm not saying that, right. you know, if people want to do that, I mean, I'm not saying anyone's better than or less than that, you know, has got, uses a million pedals or so on and so forth. But to your point, it's just, for me, I just don't want to think about it. I don't want to think about, you know, I don't want to think about power supplies and cords going bad. And, you know what I mean? And, and where, you know, if I change where this pedal's located from this one, it's going to sound different. And I I, I just, I'd just rather not. <laughs> I'd rather not deal with it. And plus both 99% of the tones that I like to listen to and record of stuff that I listen to has nothing on it at all. You know, it's got a little right. reverb, uh, the end, you know, or maybe a you know, a fuzz here and there. But for the most part, it's it's clean ski.
1: Yeah, I, I find that this the you know, like if I do use a pedal, it's it'll be like a flanger set for yes. flanging. Yes. And I, I need it to do something. Right extreme because the thing about pedals is like, yeah, in the room, like when you're just sitting around, you know, in, in, in your room or whatever in a rehearsal hall and, and you're, 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 you're going, yeah, this, I really like this real subtle analog sounding delay. It's so subtle. And it's just right. perfectly beautiful. Yes. The minute the drummer gets there and the, the guy on the keyboards or bass player, your subtlety is it t- sounds dry. You know right, what I mean? Because exactly. the, all those frequencies are getting eaten up in the in the spectrum of a band, right, you know. Right. So when I used to step on something, I go, it, "It's got to do something."
0: Right, extreme, you know. I have and been amazed. I think we talked about this, you know, prior to the uh, to the uh, the woodshed thing. we were talking about. Uh, uh, I got a phaser. I love. You know what? I, I never had a phaser back in the day. I don't think I think may have had a small stone at some point in time, right. but. For whatever reason, I was listening to, like, an old Stuff record or something like that, and Eric Gale always had that doggone phaser on, or I was listening to the rock and roll animal Lou Reed record where the phaser was on. And, you know, a phaser is something that sounds so good with overdraw. You know what I mean? You It just makes it that—now, that's something you hit, and you realize, man, a lot of those solos back in the 70s on pop records, they had a phaser on, like, all the time. All the time,
1: Yeah. Yeah, it was like Eric Gale, used, not to be confused with the great Eric Gales. Right, Eric correct. Gale. Yes, yes. Um, and, you know, even, even Eddie. Yes. Eddie had the phaser on, you yeah. know. And, and yeah, there's something about the squish of a phaser that's really inviting. You know what I mean? It, you, like, you you know, and, and a lot of amps used, the, in the 70s used to come with phasing. Like right. The acoustic amp, exactly. Albert you know, Albert King used to use the acoustic with the built-in phaser. Right. Um, The SG systems, no, there's a there's a dandy of an amp. Remember those? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. They weighed about 300 pounds, put about 30 watts, and they had like these big dials and a phaser built in, or some some sort of, you know, they're worth about eight dollars (laughs) now. But uh, no, it's 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 interesting, you know. With you you start going down those rabbit holes of your favorite guitar sounds. It's a they're cleaner than you think, right? Especially the old Old ones. They're totally. cleaner than you think. And it's, and it was really the path of least resistance. It was like, well, we needed something to stick out here in the mix. All right. Put a phaser on it, put a, put an envelope filter or a fuzzer, you know, wah, you
0: know, and that was it, you know, it's, it's interesting because you mentioned that like, like old zap records. I mean, you p- people always think that's such heavy and it's, there are very there are heavy, heavy tones, but a lot of stuff like from Zeppelin One or like Zeppelin Two, especially like the Heartbreaker riff, he's really not that distorted, you know. But no. it's, it sounds so majestic, of course. But
1: Jimmy Page didn't need a pog,
0: right? <laughs> he just
1: wrote big, heavy riffs.
0: Indeed, he did. Bless his heart. But the
1: pog is a good pedal. Yes, absolutely. It's a speaker annihilator, but it's a good pedal. <laughs> you got you've, if you got a speaker on the fringe. It'll take it down. Put that sub octave on there. It'll it'll um it'll make short work of that 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 voice (laughs) coil.
0: (laughs) Well, tell us a little bit about the uh, the Les Paul journey that you've been on. I mean, I remember back in the day, kind of your your vibe was like a gold top with a black pick guard, which is an unusual look, cool look. Yeah. Um. And then you'd you'd have a kind of burst ish here and there, but then. All of a sudden, it was all, it was, you were getting those these old guitars. I, I suppose, was the um, was the Gold Top with Black or that was more of a custom shop guitar, right? That wasn't a vintage piece? Per no, se. it
1: wasn't. It was based on a guitar that my father had at his shop. It was like a cobbed-up 50s guitar that everything was changed. And I always liked it. And then, you know, because Dad had to make money to, to keep the business going and sold it, you know? Right. And I couldn't afford to buy it, especially for, what you know, and, um, you know, the thing about Les Pauls is is I can tell you the minute I switched from being a predominantly Strat player to a Les Paul player. And it was it was in uh, I want to say it was in Montgomery, Alabama or Birmingham, Alabama, somewhere in Alabama. And it was this kind of a, like a an old theater that we were we were opening up for this band. I think it was either the North Mississippi All-Stars or Indigenous. I forgot we were opening up for them. This was 2002. And and. I used to have this. I used to have this song "Blues Deluxe" that it was yep. a cover of Jeff Beck's song, which was a kind of a cover of "Stung Crazy" and and uh, you know whatever it was. It was an amalgamation of different verses that they collected from other people, you know. Right. Um, you know, and uh, and I, and I did this little violin bit, you know, the volume control bit on the strat, and I had the little boss delay, and I you know did a little classical. I ripped some bop thing off and it would get a rise out of the crowd. And I was in the I wasn't in the live show business. I was in the merchandise table business at that point. I was like, I gotta get these folks out to the lobby and sell them CDs. Right. Put mm-hmm. gas in this vehicle. You right. know it was it was a simple exchange. And every time, you know, we were, it was back in those times where like the strat had a bit of a stigma to it. It sure. was like, it was the SRV, SRV, right. SRV, which we all love. Right. We all loved him. But anybody who pop up with a strategy, like oh, I was just another Stevie Ray clone or whatever. It was right, sure. Absolutely. It, and I remember this one guy at the merchandise table, he bought a CD. He was very complimentary. And he, can, he was like, he's like, um, he's like, you know, that thing you did it sounded like a violin. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I figured he was, about to say something about, you know, figured out what movement I was stealing from, from Johann Sebastian Bach. Yes, of course. And, and, and he goes, Man, when you went into that, it, I just closed my eyes and it just sounded so much like Stevie Ray Vaughn. It, it made me cry, right? It was a heartfelt compliment. Sure. That I, Took, and I was like, well, thank you, sir. I really appreciate that. And I'm glad you enjoyed our, our 45 minutes of blues and rock fun. Right. And I started to think about it. I said, of all the things I did that evening and did in that show. That
0: was the least Stevie Ray Vaughan thing you did.
1: That was like comparing a car to a radio flyer. Right. They both had wheels, right. but... You know what I mean? It was it was the most departed, departed from anything bluesy or SRV like. Sure. And I said, well, "What? How did they come to that conclusion? How Because it, it was starting to follow me a little bit." And I looked down and I said, "You know what? It's the it's the Strat." Yeah. It's there's 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 they're hearing with their eyes. Exactly. So consequently, Gibson had a had a showcase room in Memphis. And they were, they booked us to play their little showcase room in their factory. And they were nice enough to give me a Les Paul 60 classic cherry red thing. Uh And I started messing with it and put the 11s on it. And I was like, hmm, this is a nice big thick tone. I like it. And then I figured out a way to do the volume control thing. Right. And I just had enough, you know, throw and I can get it done. That started me on the journey of becoming a Les Paul guy. And I never got that. It, it, it just it took the it took the sight away and it was like, oh, he's playing a Les Paul. Something different. It's the exact same right. show. It sounded exactly the same. It didn't really sound much different, except I was playing a Les Paul. And then over the years, I've tuned my rig to accommodate a humbucking pickup, you know, and and now with the tweed twins that I use. You know the I, I love I love the fact that the Tweed twin set the right way really brings out the best in every guitar. So you can put a telly through it, a Strat, a Les Paul, a three thirty five, and it's the quintessential versions of that. Right, of, 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 at least in my mind, of, of those tones. You know, it's just like okay, this is this is big, fat, and chewy, and it's a three thirty five, or it's like a you know, or it's a weapon with a telly or you know, right kind of you know aggressive sounding strat. And so that that's really been a really important step for me as far as just guitar collecting and 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 being able to deal with just different types of guitars, having that twin because it's just like it's the same setting. And it just somehow it just works with every guitar.
0: Now do you like the you like the high powered twins, right? Or do you do you do, do a little bit of both?
1: I use the high power ones. Um, I've actually AB'd high power twins to low power twins. The actual perceived volume is not a whole lot. Okay. Um, there's just a bit more. There's a. It's a tighter headroom. It's a. It's it's much more. Um, uh, it, it, it's a little cleaner, less squishy. My 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 kryptonite is too much gain, not enough not enough headroom, and 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 squish. Like if it's right. super compressed. I have no legato. I have nothing. I have impossible. I can't do any legato. So I have to pick every note. So if the timing of the amp is off between the guitar, I might as well just, you know, go to the bar and have a margarita, you know? Cuz I'm useless. You know, it's just it's like it's just like it's the timing is super critical. So that's why I like the high powers and Fender did a great job reissuing them. I mean, they're 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 a beast of an amp. It's not right. for everyone. Um, but when you need big, clean, thick headroom, it's, it'll, it'll get you there.
0: I had a, um, years ago, I had a, uh, um, oh, now my brain is gone, but I had the, the guy in Chicago that made like the, the, the Fendery tweed stuff, uh, Victoria, Victoria, thank you. Uh, I bought one of his tweed twins, uh, that he made and that thing was great. But I remember it was louder than the word of God. Under most circumstances. <laughs> At one point, I had to do a clinic. It was a weird thing that came up. It was like, hey, you want to do a set with uh, um, with Carmen Apiece for this drum thing? I'm like, yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. And so, me and my buddy Tom Good, you know, we went with, uh, learned a few tunes and we said, hey, we can do this and we do this. And we, and we play that set. And I remember turning around and wondering if that amp was even on. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> because it was just, Right, was, it was probably like if you played with Bonham, it would have been that loud. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, that's the thing.
1: You know, I play with loud drummers: Anton yeah. Fig, Greg Morrow, Jason Bonham, yeah. and you know, a lot of the, lot of, the, lot of the, lot of the preachers like to say, like, well, you you could do whatever you need to do with a champ or a, you know, Princeton. If you're just, you know, after that, it's just ego. <laughs> you can not play with a loud drummer. Exactly. Yeah. Because a deluxe reverb and Anton Fig, just right. unmiked, right. Anton Fig is going to win exactly. You know? And it's like, it, and it's like, I don't want to be on ten all night. I want to clean up and you know, I right. have some dynamic, you know. Exactly. And it's 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 you know, again, it's like I like it a little bit cleaner and a little bit louder. And you know, when, when you do solo, it's it you're heard, you know, it cuts through, you know. This this guitar players become pariahs. It's like it's like it's like you 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 got a new four watt amp coming out and right. like there's gonna be some sound guy that says to some kid, going, I can't deal with that. I'm right, like, that's way too loud. Four watts. It's yeah. like oh my god. It's amazing. Let's let's put it outside in the back where the where where we put the 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 old kegs. Okay, we'll put a blanket over the top of it and we'll put a little bit through the wedge.
0: You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's like. like well, like, what's been interesting for me is that my son is a loud drummer, and yeah. then I and then I've got Toby who's playing organ, and and he plays loud. So, and of course, uh, having a B three guy that really, I mean, it's that's a frequency range that is all encompassing. There's so there's there's definitely been some um, upgrading, shall we say, in the wattage right. Frontier, <laughs> just just to have parity. Just, as you said, so you can have a dynamic range and hear what you're doing. And even then, sometimes I, you know, I pop your you know, earplugs in and I'm like, hope it sounds good out front. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> you know, it just, it's, you know, it's, it's uh, one of the, one of the great things that I
1: learned when I was a kid was learning the 31 band EQ. And most people are like, well, what's that? I said, it's all the, it's all the relative frequencies that we deal with as musicians. You know, it's a, it's, Big old graphic EQ, and I used to be my own monitor guy. I used to be my own front house guy. I used to be everything, you know. Right. And you know, you never want to say to a monitor guy in a club, "Going, it sounds too sizzly," right? Or it it sounds sounds muffled, you know. And he's gonna go, okay, fine, whatever. It's not gonna change anything. Right. If you, if you go to him, go like, listen, you know, take the two point five down, a right. couple of DV and and high pass the high pass the the monitor itself to about 125 or 250 hertz you know basically get every every frequency that whales communicate out of the wedge you're going right. to hear yourself it's perceived volume. Right. when you start speaking that language you start understanding how bands work you know like you're like a guitar is basically in the same area as an organ uh snare drum eats a lot of that frequency you know a bass player who doesn't you know doesn't play like a nine string bass and you know goes down to a low c sharp i mean if it's a proper four string bass not to say the other ones are not proper it's just it it depends on the kind of bass player you know they're kind of mid-rangey in the 300 500 range you know and all of that eats up guitar frequencies Exactly. You know, so, so when you set your rig and you go like, well, my house, I'm like, it's cranking. It's got beautiful top, huge amount of bottom end. But then when I get with the band, I can't hear it. It's like, well, because you've got to narrow the frequency exactly. to cut through. And that's like a lot of your favorite ta- tones. If you soloed them, they're thinner and narrower than you think. Because they were just, they were they were placing it in the mix,
0: both as a live performer or, you know, whatever. So, Indeed. Yeah, that's one thing I never... Uh, to my detriment, I never learned the uh, uh, the EQ frequencies. And I had buddies who did. They'd like, yeah, you know, they would talk the language. And I'd say, what's that math talk you're using? Right, But, but it was always effective because they always got great sound. I could never hear myself on the monitors, ever. It's like, you know, it's one of the reasons why I would go through long periods of time where I wouldn't sing. I was like, you don't understand. I'm six seven. The monitor's down here, and it sounds like there's a wet cloth over it. And right. in the sound check, it'll sound great. But as soon as the gig starts going... It's gone. So within three tunes, my voice is cached. Right. So luckily, you know, um, over time, I've, you know, I know some people either like or, or do not like the inner monitors. But I got some inner monitors I've been using here in the room, and it's like for the first time, I can actually hear myself sing. So I've been able to actually like not shout the entire time <laughs> and, and yeah. be able to control it. So that's that's been an interesting thing. But again, if I would have. It's always user error for me. If I, if I would have learned earlier on, hey, you know what? Why don't you learn the frequency range so you can actively communicate with your sound reinforcement professional to get the frequencies you want going through your wedge so you wouldn't have to scream like a banshee in heat in order to a be able to... Of, a lot of times with wedges, because the clubs own the wedges,
1: is they protect their investment by putting limiters on them. Right. Exactly. Because like one night it could be the blues rock stylings of Joe Bonamassa. The next night it could be Napalm Death. Right. You know, <laughs> I, I went through that circuit years ago, you know, and you're going, well, there's a point where the limiting of the wedge actually is almost vacuuming out sound. Right. So it's like you just get it to the point where you can hear it and then it, and then you push it a little bit too hard and then the limiter kicks in and then it goes away. Right. so you, It's 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 not very it's not a very pleasant sound. What I used to do is I used to just unplug the wedge and just listen to the house. Uh, at least it was at least it wasn't limited. You know what I mean? So you can right. like, like, OK, fine. You know, I, I you know, I'm not the world's greatest singer anyway. So I'm like, whatever it, it's it's we're, we're just getting to the solo
0: at that point. You know. <laughs> Well, it's interesting because I remember hearing that uh I don't know how true it was, but I guess Greg Ullman in in Robert Plant didn't like monitors either for the most part, when they, they would listen to the mains, which I find very, very hard to believe considering the amount of wattage going around around him. But, you know, you never know, it could be. But yeah, Greg sense. never
1: used the wedge until the later part of his career and he put a he gave him an in ear and he liked it. Uh, Paul Rogers didn't use a wedge when he when he sang with us at the Beacon Theater, just walks out. And you're going, okay, there's a cat that's been on the stage a few times, you know, and, and I, I, you know, it's just one of those things where you just, you get used to what you're used to. Right. And, you know, now there's a thing where you go out, you walk down lower Broadway in Nashville and everybody's got in ears in the clubs. I go, right. this is, this is the time where you want to get your pitch center, right? Right. You know, this is, this is where you want the crappy wedges. This is. You're 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 skipping a step here. I mean, yeah, maybe you hear yourself better, but but the whole ear training and using the force and going whatever, right. and Like, you know, it's like the Beatles at Shea Stadium. Those guys were in tune because they they were used to it. Exactly. You know, exactly. and and it's it's important to 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 go through
0: that. You know. Well, I do want to ask you one more question before we we park, as you've been very generous with your time here, but yeah. um, and it's a blast talking with you as usual. Just out of curiosity, if if someone said you, Joe, you get two of them. You got two guitars that you want to keep. What what would be the one that you'd be like? I want to take this one and that one. I mean, just just for fun of it. What 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 do you? Think? Just running out of the house, you know. Yes, exactly. All right.
1: I can tell you this. I have one. I have I have one Fender and one Gibson, and. I have a fifty-one No Cast with a humbucker in front. If that's all I had to use for the rest of my career, I could do it. Ah-ha. Does everything. And um, a Gibson would be just for historical purposes. Amos, okay. the V. Oh, the V. That would be it. Would but be- I have a drill. I have a, I have a six guitar drill in case case something happens up here. Be like I could I can get two under my arms. And and a guitar, you know, and you know, down to the car. I mean, God, God willing, but the entire state of California is on fire, so you, you know, you never know. Right? But, you know, the nice stuff is in fireproof safes that work, but you know, that is the one concern that I do have: is I am a custodian; somebody else will own all this crazy crap one day, and and you know, I don't care if my niece and nephew sell it for a dollar. Okay, one dollar. Flying V's, to get them out of here, you know. <laughs> and the thing is, I never, you know, it's like you hate something to happen under your watch. So sure. it's it's been concerning, you know. And then then you're like, well, then why did I do this in
0: the first place? So it's it's a, it's a weird, it's it's a weird, it's a weird feeling. Well, that Telly that. That NoCaster you're talking about. Didn't you just do something with Fender Custom Shop? Did they make one for you? Is that going to be a thing? Is that the guitar I'm thinking of or no?
1: Yes. uh, Greg Fessler is uh, about to embark on a 100 guitar run of of NoCaster replicas. And they did a good job. They did a really good job. And uh, Seymour Duncan did the pickups. Okay. And I call it the bludgeon. (laughs) <laughs> Literally, it's hard to describe the guitar other than in those terms. There's nothing subtle about it. It's the loudest, most dynamic telly I've ever played. I've played some good ones, you know? And you just go, there's something about this thing that just, that, it, you know, I've bopped the bouncer on the head with it a couple of times just because they're harassing the fans during the encore, you know? Just, works for that, works for this. It's a bludgeon. There you and, go. uh, the, the back pickup is literally nine and a half K. Yeah. I mean, the the, the, the it's a flat pole from 51. It's okay. literally nine and a half K. And it's just, it, it just, it just rips through any humbucking pickup. It rips through any, you know, single coil and you're going, there's something, something weird was happening when this guitar was made. And, and so that's it. So they're doing a hundred of them. I got wow. one, I got one on the stand. Excellent.
0: Is big old neck on there as well, or is it uh, not as big as one would think? Smaller there? than you would think. Okay, that's the thing about old tellies of that era. They're not as
1: big as the prevailing narrative of 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 like these gigantic. It's like a two by four with a little edge shaped off of it. You know, right. like you like they're not huge. So that was the one thing I told Greg. I said, Greg, when you when you think the neck is too small, take a little bit more off it, and you get it just right. And he did. So I don't like big necks. I don't.
0: It's like, what am I going to do with all this? You know, it's just it hurts my hand after a while. I like I like different neck profiles, you know. But there is there is something to the you know the thought of you know more wood, more tone type of a thing, but not at the expense of ease of play. <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. You know? And then and it's and it works it works with.
1: Not all light guitars sound great, and not That's all true. heavy guitars are bad. Exactly. I've had some heavy guitars that sound great. you exactly. know, been like, oh, I, I require only my tallies have to be under six point six seven pounds or else I will not I will not participate in this event. <laughs> well, <laughs> you you may be losing out on an eight pound turd that that will rule the world, right you exactly. know exactly. You just. It, Case per case basis. All yeah. right, I gotta run. I gotta. I gotta go. I gotta go flog my wares with. I like uh, it with uh, Dunlop. We're, we're 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 launching the Penny Saver Royale, which further truncating my pedal board, which lacked thereof. It's just now it's two pedals on the floor, which is basically the overrated special and the Blue Hippo, and we just basically taped them together in one housing, and it's ah. called the Penny Saver Royale. I like it. So, like- so I'm going to I'm going to go shoot some some demos that people will dislike in
0: future YouTube. If they can't series. take a joke, you know what they can do? They can amuse themselves with their own anatomy. That's my my motto. Not that I'm judging.
1: Exactly. Well, you know, it's it's <laughs> it's, it's the amount of dislikes, it's it's fantastic. And I like the ones that the dislikes come in, you know like you didn't even watch the whole thing. Right. Like, exactly. It, the, the video's 6 6 minutes. It's been up for four.
0: You already disliked it. People. Well, listen, Joe, thank you so much. Thanks for taking the time. It was a pleasure as always. And uh, hope to see you soon after this pestilence has passed.
1: I know. We need to get past the pestilence.
0: Indeed. All right, my friends, take it easy. All right, guys. Thanks. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Thanks, Greg. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Thank you so much, folks, for tuning in. Special thank you to Wildwood Guitars of Louisville, Colorado, and the mighty Fishman Transducers for making this podcast possible. If you enjoyed yourself, ladies and gentlemen, please subscribe and review so that people can get the word out that this is worth experiencing. Can you dig it? Thanks again. We'll see you soon, or you'll hear me soon.